trouble with our times is that the future is not what it used to be. The French poet Paul Valéry said that, and I think it sort of expresses what lots of people in our culture think. You know, we had this vision of what the future would be, and it's not the same. Things have changed. We look around in our culture and we begin to worry about what our children and our grandchildren are going to face. We wonder what future generations are going to have to deal with that we're leaving behind. I mean, we see some negative things in our culture. We, we look at the violence that's part of our culture. Violence by people who are in power against those who are powerless and violence from those who are out of power, who are trying to, to gain power. We see all kinds of humanitarian sort of disasters that are going on, crises that are happening where people so passionate about fleeing their homeland and persecution they're facing there that they overcrowd boats, putting their own lives and the lives of their family in the hands of people who are just making money and some of them don't survive. We see the big things out there, but we also look in our own lives and sometimes we wonder. We begin to see the problems that we face. Maybe you're facing a sickness right now of your own or someone you love. And things are not turning out the way you thought that they would. And you're wondering, is this pain always going to be there? Is it going to change the way that you live? Is it going to cut a life short somehow? We face all these questions and we wonder, we wonder, is God listening? Is he there? So we as Christians trying to figure out how we live with pure joy. That's the name of this series. How do we live in this world that, that's part of who we are and somehow live joyfully? That's what I want us to think about today as we continue to look in the book of Colossians. You know, we sometimes, just as people in general, not just Christians, but people we look into the future, and the way we think about the future is we, we look at what ha is happening today, and then we take that, and whatever sort of trajectory things are on, we project that into the future. So if things are bad today, we assume that things are going to be bad in the future. The problem with that is it's not very accurate. Look back in the 1920s, and you'll see writers that are amazingly optimistic about the future. But then you look 10 years later in the 30s in the midst of the Great Depression with war looming in the future and some of those same people are amazingly pessimistic about the future. We're not good at that. And even we who are Christians tend not to be good at that. Because we look into the future and we see problems just like everybody else. We see the struggles that are always there in our culture. And we see questions of morality and we, all this stuff going on. And it's easy for us to get discouraged. And we forget there's a future out there that we as Christians believe in. And we've lost it because we get so caught up in this world, we forget Jesus. Today, as we try to think about pure joy, last week we talked about, in the first week of this series, about the joy we find in Jesus Christ, and really that's the basis for everything we're going to talk about through this series, but today we continue in Philippians chapter 3. We're, we're looking primarily at the last two chapters in this book. We studied the first two chapters last year, but we see Paul continuing this thought. We, we move down to Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, where Paul says this. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now we see that in our world. 
But Paul would have certainly seen it in his world. Remember, Paul is living near the beginning of the church, just as the message of Jesus is beginning to expand across the Roman Empire. But most people are still not Christians. And lots of people look on these Christians and say, man, those people are weird, and we don't like them. Jews, Gentiles, lots of people opposed what the Christians were doing. So Paul lived in this time where there was lots of opposition to the church and lots of opposition to what he was trying to do. So he saw that everywhere. And then he describes it like this. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now when Paul looks out in his world... And he sees people who, they don't see anything beyond this life. I mean, this life is it. They, they don't believe in an eternity. They don't believe in a God who's looking forward to something more. They see this life, and when you believe only in this life, there's no consequences afterward. There's no reward afterward. If all there is is this, and we're not even guaranteed to t- tomorrow, we might as well just sort of live it up and get what we can out of today. So these people that Paul's looking out on who are opponents of the cross, he says, they're just looking for the next bit of pleasure they can get out of this life, even if it's just the very next meal. And then he describes them at the end of the verse, their mind is set on earthly things. Well, sure it is, because that's all they've got. But you know, I think that we as Christians sometimes fall into that same trap. We get so caught up in some negativity, so caught up in looking in our world and sort of crying over what's happening and being discouraged over the things that we see that are negative. We get so caught up in this world that we forget the promises that God has made. We are just as caught up in the world as those people back then. Our mind is set on earthly things just like people who don't believe in Jesus. So Paul's creating this contrast. Here's the people who are opponents of the cross. Now let me talk about the people who are followers of Jesus. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's hold on there for just a minute. He says... Our citizenship is in heaven. Now that word citizenship was really important to the Philippians. Philippi was a Roman city. So the the people who were important in Philippi were not just people of Philippi. They were Roman citizens. So their citizenship was elsewhere. They had a great pride in the responsibilities and the honor that came with being a Roman citizen. Their citizenship is in a more important and powerful place. And so Paul plays on that. He says, you may think your citizenship is right here in front of you, where you live. You may even find some pride in being a Roman citizen. But guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus... Your citizenship is not in Philippi. Your citizenship is not in Rome. It's in heaven. And what's heaven? The dwelling place of God. So what does that mean for us? We belong to God. Paul is calling us as Christians to live as foreigners, to live as immigrants in this world who belong to somewhere else. 
And as much as it might be easy for us to get caught up in everything that's going on around us, in everything in this world, Paul is saying there is something more, and the more is going to be seen when Jesus returns. We're awaiting a Savior from the place where we're citizens, heaven. Our values are different. Our outlook is different. Our future is different because we are citizens of heaven. Now he goes on to describe Jesus that he ends in verse 20 with. Verse 21, Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Jesus is going to return, and he's going to bring everything under his control. Now, that phrase, bring everything under his control, that's usually language that is reserved only for God the Father. What Paul's doing here is saying, Jesus carries with him the power of Almighty God. He is God. You can't separate this out. So Jesus is is already in control. Remember, his kingdom has already broken forth. It's already active. Jesus is engaging the world. And his kingdom is only going to expand when he returns. And everything is brought together. And Jesus will then, that's sort of the big picture. He brings it down to us, narrows the focus on us, and says, and he will, because he has this power, transform you. The body that you have that gets sick and dies is going to be made new. It's going to be transformed. It's going to be what God intended it to be from the beginning. Now there's hope in that. Hope that we as Christians can easily lose. Now it's hard for us to take this long view. It's easy for us to get caught up in what's happening today. It's easy for us to get discouraged by our own sickness, our own failures, our own problems, the problems of the world. And Paul is saying, yeah, I get that. But we're Christians. And the point of this is, and I think the lesson for us, is that we know the end of the story. We know how this all turns out. And it turns out with Jesus returning, bringing all things under his control and delivering us to God for eternity. And in that we find hope. And in that we can find something more than happiness that's so fleeting. We can find joy. Because we have something to look forward to. We know the end of the story. The promise here from Jesus, from Paul, from God, is not that this life is always going to get better. That because we're followers of Jesus, things are always going to continue to be easy. It doesn't work that way. And the truth is, in fact... We're going to face some sickness. And the truth is, we're going to die. And the fact that Jesus was raised to new life doesn't change the fact that we will die. But Paul says we've got to look beyond. That there is more to this. Yeah, you may have some suffering today. You may be dealing with sickness today with yourself, with someone you love. Paul's saying, look beyond that, because there will be a day when that sickness is brought to an end. When that sickness and death 
is defeated. And it might be today that you're struggling with some emotional or spiritual issue that has really got you down. It is tearing you up on the inside. And it just doesn't feel like it's going to get better. Oh, man, it's easy to focus in on how that feels today. But the promise that we see here is, as we look into the future, that pain too will come to an end. Because we know the end of the story. We are looking to be remade physically and spiritually into the people that God has called us to be. Anybody in the room know the name Johnny Erickson Tata? You know who that is? There's a few of you around the room. Johnny Erickson Tata was sort of a typical teenage girl, about 17 years old, July 30th, 1967. She dove into the Chesapeake Bay, not recognizing just how shallow the water was, and ended up having an accident that severed her spine, and she's been paralyzed basically from the shoulders down since then. Long time. A long time. And her story goes that she went through a time of really deep despair, which I think all of us can understand and feel for her. But what brought her out of that was her faith in Jesus Christ. And since then, she's had a really amazing ministry where she's, she's got dozens of books she's written. She's written songs. She learned to paint by holding a paintbrush in her mouth and then painting some amazing art. It just really is unbelievable when you realize how she did it. But she's got this amazing witness. And, and I heard her speak a couple years ago at the North American Christian Convention. And I wanted to share just a couple of minutes of what she said because she gives us this picture of the hope we have because we know the end of the story. So let's watch that video. So don't be thinking that I am mostly looking forward to heaven in order to get a new body. No, I am looking forward to heaven to get the new heart, a heart that is free of sin, a heart that is free to enjoy a holy place like heaven. And with that new heart, I am gonna stand on my grateful glorified legs Oh, it's been so long since I've felt the earth beneath me. And I will stand up with a resurrected, glorified body. And I'm going to jump up, dance, kick, do aerobics. Oh, it's going to be such fun. That's worth applauding. And after I've had time to praise Jesus along with the rest of you for who knows how many millennia, I can't wait for that opportunity when I can get alone with my Savior. Because you see, I hope that when that happens, I will also be able to take my wheelchair to heaven with me. Now I know that's not theologically correct, you won't find that in the Bible, but I hope I can take it with me because if I could, I, I would put it right over there and I'd be standing here and Jesus would be right next to me and I will say, oh Jesus. Do you see that wheelchair over there? Well, you were right when you said in your word that in this world we would have trouble. That thing was a lot of trouble. <laughs> but Jesus, the weaker I felt in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, Jesus, the stronger I discovered you to be. So bless you and praise you and thank you for that tool of suffering in my life which revealed the sin that I needed to confess and be redeemed of. 
Oh, Jesus, bless you for that. You were so wise. Your providence was so, so heavenly in, in, in designing that tool in my life. So I thank you for it. But now since we're in heaven, Jesus, you can send it to hell if you want. We know the end of the story. Isn't it funny how when you, you watch a movie the first time, you're caught up in the story and the characters and the suspense, and you don't know whether it's going to have a happy ending, a sad ending. You don't know whether the hero is going to make it or whether they're going to be drawn into something negative or end up at the end dead. You just don't know how the story is going to end. And it's really different the second time you watch the movie or the third. Because you may still enjoy the story, but you're not caught up in the suspense the wondering what's going to happen because you know. And we don't know everything that the future holds. We don't know some of the stuff that we're going to have to suffer through and endure, and we don't know some of the joys that we're going to experience as a part of this life. But we do know the end of the story, and we can be confident we have this great picture that's painted in Revelation 21 and 22 where, where the city of heaven comes down and sort of joins a recreated earth. And they're brought together. And in this city, unlike the old Jerusalem, there's no temple because there's no need for a temple. God is present there. So there we are followers of Jesus Christ who get to spend eternity praising Him. It doesn't get better than that for us. That's what we were created to do. We know the end of the story. And as much as it is difficult for us to take that long view because we get caught up in what's happening today, our hope is found in seeing that Jesus is going to bring all things back together. And because we have hope, we can be a people of joy. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the joy and the hope that we find only in Jesus, only in knowing the end of the story. So God, we pray that you'll bless us each day with the confidence in what you're doing and what you have planned. You know, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. Your faith is in Jesus Christ and you're ready to be baptized into him. We would celebrate being able to see you become a Christian. Or maybe you're baptized believers and you want to become a member of our church and serve with us. If you've made either one of those decisions, we ask you to let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.